Our great God and Heavenly Father, we praise you for John's life. We thank you for the gift of your setting your love on him in eternity past and choosing him to be your son. Not because he was earning of it or deserving, but because of your rich and free grace that you extended to him and into him, giving him the gift of faith so that he rested on Jesus alone for eternal life. We praise you, our Father, for the many ways that the Holy Spirit was evident in the testimony of John's patient listening, um, wise application of the gospel, wise love as a husband and a father, a grandfather, a brother, um, a friend, a colleague, um, a brother in Christ. We thank you, our Father, for the rich grace that flowed through his life. And we thank you, our great God, that John is in your presence in heaven, that he is never ever to suffer again, that he has joined the victorious church in heaven. But we thank you for the legacy of his faith and life. Uh, God, we pray that you would fill our hearts with the comfort of the gospel that you will fill especially family grieving. And we ask, Lord, that for Dottie and Margaret and Sarah and James and John, their family, their ex- and extended family, that you will envelop them in the warmth and security of your grace and comfort. May you be praised at, by our worship of you Uh, this afternoon, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And if you're able, uh, please uh, stand. We're going to sing the doxology, and then uh, hymn 642, Be Thou My Vision. And hymn 642, which is one of John's uh, favorite hymns, A Vision of the Glory and Power and Grace of Christ.
Amen. You may be seated. Our Old Testament uh, readings are found in the bulletin program. Um, I am reading today uh, using the Bible that was given to John by his grandparents that you have a picture of uh, in your program and um, the influence that his grandparents had uh, in the gospel by God's grace being formed in John, so chosen to um, read the scriptures from this Bible he was given as a young man. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bring forth fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And then reading from Psalm 103, that, um, in which David lists the many blessings of God's grace and reminds himself to remember them. And in times of difficulty and trial and grief, so important to address our hearts with the grace of God, the promises of life in his word. Verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 18 of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeemed your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As a father pities his children, So the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. And let's sing together in response this great hymn of obedience to God, hymn 672, verses 1, 3, And five, one of the great truths of the Christian faith is we we live by God's grace, united to him, 
and as a result, we obey. We don't obey in order to earn God's grace. Uh, The grace that we receive from Christ then causes us to live a life of grateful obedience to God, and that was the cry of John's heart and life and testimony. So let us sing to the glory of God. Now we'll have the New Testament readings from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. These words were spoken by the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ himself, on the night in which he was betrayed, the day before, the night before, he went to the cross to bear our sins and reconcile us to God. And these are his words of comfort. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also." And then from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, reading the words of the Apostle Paul, the words of the Holy Spirit, through his writing in this passage, in which God reminds us that those who die trusting Christ, 
Their souls are perfected in heaven. They are with the Lord Jesus Christ. John is with the Lord and is full of life and energy that we can't imagine. But we down here uh, grieve his loss, but we grieve with hope. And Christ will return, and he will raise all those whose bodies are resting in the grave who have trusted in Jesus from the dead, uh, uniting their spirits to their bodies, and we will forever worship and glorify God with new bodies and perfect souls. But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who fall asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let us also sing number 94, uh, How Firm a Foundation, verses 1, 2, 3, and 6.
let's go to prayer to the God of all comfort. Let's pray. Our great God, our great Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trouble, not with a limited, frail, interrupted, broken, weak comfort, but with the almighty, never-changing, undiminished, uninterrupted comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our Father, that your comfort gives us hope, and that our only hope in life and death is that the Lord Jesus Christ has bought those who trust in him with his precious blood and has promised that both body and soul are redeemed through the power of the blood and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our Father, as we pause to thank you for John's life. We thank you, Lord, that he heard the gospel, he was brought up in the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he responded in trust of Jesus Christ through the gospel, and that he lived a life of grateful service to you as a husband, father, grandfather, brother, churchman, follower of Christ, friend, businessman, so many different ways, so many different relationships, and yet there was one stream through them all, the love of Jesus Christ flowing through him to each of our lives. Lord, we pray for Dottie in the midst of missing uh, her husband with whom she shared such a bond of love, a bond of love united in Jesus Christ by their mutual love and commitment to you. We pray, Lord, that as she grieves his loss, you will fill her with your overwhelming, matchless grace, that you will continue to walk with her through the valley of suffering and that you would fill her with your joy. Thank you for the peace that she has that passes all understanding. We thank you for each of their children, each of their grandchildren, their extended family and friends. We pray that your that the depth of their need will be matched by the depth of your all-sufficient grace. We thank you, Lord, that they walk with John in love from his passing from this life into eternity with you and pray that you will fill them with the comfort of your promises and the sure assurance of reunion in heaven 
uh, with John. We pray, our Father, and ask that those at Falls grieving, those at Westminster Seminary grieving, those who are colleagues grieving, that you will fill them with comfort. But we give you praise and we celebrate your grace that flowed through John's life. We thank you for him and ask for grace to live out the legacy of his faith in Christ and service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're uh, now going to have um, sharing of some remembrances of um, John. Since um, my, my um, responsibility for the service has changed, I won't share as many during this time. Um, but I will be representing, in a sense, Westminster Seminary. Um, and then after my uh, remarks, then John's brother, Barry, and then uh, Pastor Neil Tolsma, who was John's pastor, of course, for many, many, many years. I did want to reflect briefly. Um, I knew, uh, because John and Dottie worshipped at um, Covenant Presbyterian Church, of which been the pastor since 2008, he worshipped with us for some years, and he served on our, our session board. Uh, something that was a theme to me of John's life was what a patient listener he was. And how, but a patient, gentle listener, but the words he spoke, the way he applied scripture were words of healing and words of wisdom and words of comp. Comfort. He, he walked in wise love. And that can only be born through a deep relationship with the Lord. Um, I'll share some of that, more of that later, but I did want to say he reminds me much of what the Apostle Paul said um, in Philemon 1 7 about a fellow comrade in Christ. Um, Your love has given me great joy because you've refreshed the hearts of many. I did want to share um, these words uh, from Sam President, Dr. Sam Logan, who was president of Westminster Seminary from 1991 to 2005. And John served on the board of Westminster Seminary for uh, many years. Um, and the Lord used John in this capacity to help prepare people for kingdom ministry throughout the world. And um, we dare not forget um, his vision for uh, educating um, those who would serve in gospel ministry in the years he devoted to Westminster Seminary. Sam Logan wrote back these words of testimonial. In my memory, John Williams stands out, and not just because he was very tall. He stands out because of the quiet, thoughtful, and clear application of biblical truth to very different and often very difficult problems. Over and over again, 
when a specific issue arose with respect to Westminster's response to a given situation, John's few and careful comments stood tall in our discussions. It was a great kingdom honor to work with him. Then there was another um, comment from Elizabeth Groves. Uh, Her husband, Al Groves, was a professor of Old Testament at Westminster Seminary. He passed on at a rather young age to eternity some years ago, and she expresses Dottie how much she appreciated John's wisdom, his example on the board. Barry, I'll invite you forward. You can be on the ground floor. You can be here. Uh, the mu- pulpit mic doesn't work, so I've been told I have to hand mics. Is a hand mic good enough? Yep. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. I'm Barry Williams. I'm John Williams' younger and only brother, younger by four and a half years. And what that meant was he had a circle, and I had a circle. They did intersect. I lived in the same bedroom as he lived in for some years. But he had his circle of activities and friends, and I was in kind of my own different circle. And probably the first thing I remember happening that made a big impression on my life was after college, John decided to go to Westminster for a, for a year, maybe more, but it, was, it turned out to be a year. And I remember giving that a lot of thought and thinking, what a wonderful thing to prepare himself to be more knowledgeable of the scriptures and more able to pass along that knowledge to other people, teaching or witnessing or whatever. So that was something that made a big impression on me. Uh, we have different personalities, Um, and so we didn't always agree on things. I remember a little bit of John's mischievous personality. He had mononucleosis when he was in high school, and we lived in the same bedroom, and so he had strict orders to stay in bed and rest. So I walked into the bedroom one afternoon and He was throwing paper airplanes out the window to a friend in the front yard, but he had his foot on the bed. (laughs) So he was at least obeying 10% of the law. (laughs) Later on, um, when he became the owner of Spence Corporation, and I graduated uh, a little bit later from the University of Michigan, he offered me an opportunity to come and work there and see how I liked it, and if I liked it, maybe we could be partners together. So we were partners at the Spence Corporation for about 26 years or so, and I worked at Spence overall for about 27 years. And even then, we kind of had shared responsibilities, and our circles intersected a lot more, but we still had somewhat of different circles of operation I was impressed by John's compassion when you have 
at times we had as many as 29 employees, and you can imagine family problems, family illnesses, um, dysfunctions that affected their ability to work full steam ahead. And John was really compassionate. He walked the extra mile for these employees so many times. And I was feeling less, less patient about it, but I learned a lesson that um, he, was, he was the one with the better approach. And so that also spoke to me um, of his good qualities. As I grew in my faith in Christ and my understanding of scriptures, we would have some robust conversations about is there a seven-year tribulation, a millennial kingdom on earth? Um, If there is, is there a rapture, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? And we had all those discussions, but the one thing that was never in question was the gospel. That's where we had a rock-solid 100% agreement. And so that, that was the basis for our ability to coexist and prosper at the Spence Corporation. And I think of the gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's why I have tremendous hope for my brother John today. He has everlasting life. And not only does he have everlasting life at this moment, he is in the eternal part of that everlasting life. He's with his Lord and Savior. I think of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved by faith, and that not of yourselves, as you refer to. It's the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. And so I appreciate that pure gospel. And I think also of the words from 1 John chapter 5. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. And so um, John was wanting to get that gospel out to people because it's so tremendously important. And so those are the things I appreciate about my brother. And I'm thankful that um, even though he was up on Washington Island and we were down in central Illinois or northwest Illinois, um, these past couple of years we've been able to get together with John and Dottie and they've been tremendous times of fellowship, laughter, fun, storytelling, and so I just have nothing but the best memories of my brother John Williams. Pastor Tolzma, would you rather you can? Hello, everybody. Great to see you here, especially the Williams family that I just love so very much because of their uh, fellowship with me during the years that I was pastor here and how much 
they were a part of my work and how much I appreciated their support of my work uh, while I was a pastor at Falls Church from 1974 to 2004. When I heard of John's death, the first scripture that came to my mind was Ephesians 5, 22 through 25. And uh, let me share those verses with you now. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. To me, John Williams epitomized the virtues of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in that passage, love in all its wonderful and various forms. We knew in John joy and peace and great patience and what wonderful kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He was a faithful elder for many years and I prized his work on the session, that faithfulness that was there, and how in just a few words he could meet a problem that maybe we were spending a lot of time on. Prompt to do what was expected of him. I remember once we were following up a contact we had made at the rescue mission of a young man in trouble. And um, it was soon obvious that he had genuine compassion and concern for that troubled young man. He was wise and generous. In conversation, he expressed a deep love for his dear wife, Dottie, and for his children. And oh, how much he loved his grandchildren. He entered wholeheartedly into the work of the Church of Jesus Christ in his service to his Lord and Savior. He taught Sunday school and was quick to add, to lend aid wherever it was needed in the life of the Church. I hope you'll read carefully his biography, which is in the bulletin. You will see that this is a man who simply gave himself to serve others. Our passage in Galatians says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. John lived by the Holy Spirit. And so he kept in step with the Holy Spirit throughout his life. Having said this, John would not have wanted me to say some of those things. Instead, he would want me to say that John Williams was a man, a sinner, saved by grace. Through the faith in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross 
and who offers eternal life to all who put their faith and trust in him. It was easy to love John. I will miss him. And thank you, John, for your support of my ministry. It made it all that much more a very special walk with the Lord here at Falls Church. We will not soon forget you. Thank you, uh, Pastor Neil. Wonderful testimonies of, of John's life and the impact for Christ. We'll s- now sing a um, beautiful hymn, Fairest Lord Jesus, hymn 170, verses 1, 2, and 4. program has the um, scripture for the message to be Philippians 4.13, um, but the uh, passage for the scripture is Romans 5, uh, verses 1 through 11 is what I'll read. The message will be on verses 1 through 6. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 Uh, reading from God's word. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Through him, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. While we were yet helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It is a wonderful gift from God when our loved one dies and we are assured, we know that they have loved us and they are assured that we have loved them. That the gift of love is, has been reinforced, carried out, um, has comforted, has sustained, has strengthened. John died peacefully, bursting into God's presence on December 16th, surrounded and enveloped by the love of his wife Dottie of 52 years and their children. John is a great, greatly loved husband, father, grandfather, um, brother. He's loved by his extended family. He is very much missed. In the closing hours and moments of his life on earth, John was enveloped in, in Christ's love through the love of his family who walked with him in love to his entrance into eternity in the perfect love of the Lord Jesus Christ, a love that he experienced in this life that he now has immeasurably and he has unchangeably in Christ's presence. We read, John was born on August 9th, 1946, and he died to enter God's presence, Christ's presence, on December 16th, 2022. But I always look at that dash in between birth and death. Because it was not only God's eternal will that John be born. 
And not only did God decide sovereignly before the creation of the world, that moment when he would take John to glory, but everything in that dash was part of God's perfect plan and will for John. It is in that dash that God redeemed John, that God's saving grace took hold of him. It is in that dash that John, having experienced the love of Jesus Christ, gratefully served and gave himself to serving and served us so that we remember that gift of his service and have been changed by the grace of God through his life of service. The greatest gift of God is explained in this passage. It is that we can rest, rest in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can rest in his grace. I'm going to pick up on something Dr. Sam Logan wrote, how John Williams um, is set apart, not only because he was physically tall, but he was set apart, he stood tall in the grace of Jesus Christ, spiritually. So what was John's assurance and what is our assurance of God's unfailing love and forgiveness that conquers the guilt of our sin and gives us the undiminished grace of God? The Apostle Paul declares what his confidence is in the first verse of this passage. He has peace with God because he has been justified by faith resting in Jesus Christ alone. So our confidence and security of eternal life is the assurance that God has so loved us in Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life of righteousness that we could never live. That's why he came to earth. That's why he had to come to earth and died our death for sin. Jesus' demonstration of love on the cross was an infinite demonstration of love. We are right with God. We are justified before God. John was right with God. He was justified before God because he set his hope on Jesus Christ alone. And he was enabled to do that by the grace of God. John is not in heaven because he trusted in his willpower or his good works to earn and deserve his way into heaven. He rested on the gospel of God's justifying grace in Christ. We are made right with God, no longer facing guilt of sin if we've trusted Christ, no longer fearful of God's just wrath. We can live a life of joy and freedom because we rest in what Christ has done for us. These are beautiful blessings. Peace with God. That's a condition. Peace 
we're right with God, the peace of God overflowing, making us right with God when we were God's enemies. Joy with God. We rejoice because we have received reconciliation. As Pastor Neil shared, the peace of God and the joy of God filled John's life because these were the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And how did he gain those? How did he have a right relationship with God? Not by his earning or deserving, but because of what Christ earned and Christ won for him. And he put his trust in Christ. God doesn't measure how much he'll care for us on the basis of how good we can become in our own strength. He's not waiting for us to be good enough to love us. He takes the initiative, and he did so for John. And there was a place in John's life where he rested in Jesus. So on December 16th at 9.30 a.m., around that time, God enfolded John in his arms, in his presence, to take him into his presence. Why did John stand apart spiritually? Well, it's because Jesus set him apart. It's because God gave him the grace, even though he was tall, to stoop, to admit he was a sinner, and to trust in Christ. And then we read here these words, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in this grace. In other words, God doesn't lift us to his love for a brief moment. He sets us on the eternal plane of his love forever. That is the high place that is as secure as God himself. Peace with God results in the security that God's love in Christ is unchanging, is unfailing, is uninterrupted, is undiminished. And that is what God enabled John to stand in, the grace of Christ. And that grace was so real in his life. Dottie, you've shared with me, and I'm sure many others, how in the closing years of John's life, the last couple of years, how much he hungered for God's word, how much he thirsted for more of God, and how he longed when others in his church family on Washington Island had passed into eternity with tears, longing to be with Jesus. He stood in that grace, and therefore he looked forward to that grace of being with the Lord Jesus Christ in his presence. 
Because God's love is an eternal love. It's an unchanging love. And nothing could separate John from. Not pneumonia, not diminished lungs, nothing can separate God's children from God's love. And then we read, More than that, we rejoice in suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Here we see the outworking of that grace that justifies and gives the gift of eternal life, that grace in which we stand, that grace gives us hope of sharing in God's glory. And it's not a wishful hope. It's not a maybe hope. It's the certainty, because we are right with God, that Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, died in the flesh, rose in the flesh, is at the right hand of God, takes all of his children home to him. So that John is full of life and energy and joy and power in soul in heaven. And we rejoice in that hope. Our family had the privilege to have John and Dottie in our church family. Such a privilege. And such good, caring friends. And it was such a blessing to have John as an elder. He, he had such an ability to listen, not just to words, but to feelings behind words, to discern by the Holy Spirit a word that was needed. And I remember when, after my mother had passed away in 2008, and uh, we were talking about the loss with a group of people, and we were sharing about the hope of the gospel and loss. And John, who had been quiet the whole time, spoke words that I, w- I will never forget, that I've spoken to others for comfort. The great promise of the gospel is God gives his children a safe delivery into heaven. Those words really spoke to my heart. A safe delivery. John is in the glory of God. He has a safe delivery into heaven. And that gives us comfort. And he looked forward to that. And therefore, he endured. He endured patiently. He endured constructively. He endured because he, knew, he knows the assurance that God gives us in his word is all things work together for good. We are more than conquerors through, through God's love. God has set his love on us. God has chosen us in love. God has justified us in love. And therefore, we endure because when we face the challenges of life, we know God has purposed those 
so that we can be constructively made more like Christ in a dark world. And is that not what God did for our brother John? Gave him the character of Christ in a dark world so that he shined for Jesus Christ. And this love does not disappoint. It's the love of Jesus Christ. And God's love is poured out through the Holy Spirit. So we rest in Christ, we rejoice in Christ, and we recognize, therefore, that God's call on us is to respond to the good news of the gospel. It's great news. The great news is, as this passage lays it out, God has loved in Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the bottomless pit on the cross, spiritually bearing our sin and offering us the gift of eternal life, trusting him, and that eternal love of God, when we trust him, when we believe in him, is with us. And that was the testimony of John's life, and it's the testimony of everyone who trusts him. There's a time coming when the care and love of Jesus Christ that is justifying, that we have access to, that constructively causes us to stand faithful in the midst of the challenges and trials of life will take us home so we will be reunited in glory with our Lord Jesus Christ, and with all of our loved ones who have passed. And to encourage family, Dottie, children, the life and joy of Christ has been passed on from one generation to another. And he has a rich heritage, as he shared, made because her children are believers a testimony of God's grace. Continue to live in the grace of Christ. You know, in many ways, you'll be rebuilding your lives, but you're rebuilding them on a foundation that's already there, Jesus Christ, and he will enable you to rebuild on him by his grace. And may the comfort of the gospel, the assurance of the eternal life that John now has cause us all to please the Lord Jesus Christ whom John lived to please in this life by the grace of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the assurance of the gospel, that because of your saving work, Lord Jesus, you have done all that is necessary by your life and death and resurrection and ascension for us to have the precious gift 
of eternal life and that you've promised to keep us for that eternal life with you. Oh God, we thank you for the sovereign grace that laid hold of John and brought him to faith and kept him in faith and that used him in such wonderful ways to serve the purposes of the gospel, to spread the good news of Christ to others, the compassion, the tenderness, the care. And we pray that you'll give us grace to follow the Lord Jesus as you have enabled John to. Fill Dottie and her family with the comfort and sustaining grace of the Lord Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. There will be a light lunch served after the service in the lower level. Thank you for coming, and we will sing hymn 297, verses 1, 3, and 6. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Please join with me in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that for your glory, you redeemed John completely. 
For your glory, you have redeemed us who have trusted you by the grace and mercy and sovereign power of the Lord Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead, united us to yourself, and we are promised eternal, imperishable life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, our Father, for you so loved us that you gave your Son that whoever believes in you will never perish, but has eternal life. And we thank you that John has that life eternal. And we thank you that if the earthly body of our tent perishes, we have a a body, uh, a home in heaven prepared for us by you. We thank you, our Father, as we rejoice in your saving grace. We pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will fill our lives with the all-sufficiency of Christ's comfort, joy, strength to live our lives for your glory and for your praise, as John did, by the power of the Holy Spirit for your glory and praise. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.